The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker, rocker, rocker. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said... Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Monday morning. Hope you had a great weekend, a great Lord's Day, got some time to be with the people of God and hear the word of God so that we can obey the Word of God, right? Um, <clears throat> in any case, if you'd like to check us out online, sonsoflibertyradio.com, sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com. Scroll down on the right side of the page, and you'll see that we're streaming live there. Just blow that up on whatever device you've got, and uh, then click on the platform icon. Join us in the chat. We've got lots of friends in there this morning. Great to see you guys this morning. And, um, yep, it's it's all good, as the, as the kids say. It's all good. Uh, right above where we're streaming live is Bradley's show from Saturday. If you missed that, that's two hours worth of Bradley Dean. So if you want to 
pick that up. That's still available up until 3 p.m. Eastern today, and then he'll be live. So be sure to check that out. Right above that is where you can subscribe to our newsletter. Again, one email a day, and that comes in the evening. So if you sign up now, you'll get the first one this evening. Be sure to check your spam too. Some people say, "Oh, we don't." You know, I signed up for it. And we get. This. I got to tell you, they're censoring us there too. They put us in the spam. Okay, so if you're not getting them in your inbox and you're signed up, spam is there. Also, a, a good way to avoid that is sometimes when you go over to sonslibertymedia.com, it'll say it wants to, we want to um, push or, or something like that. I forget exactly what it says. It'll pop up and it'll say allow or block. If you hit the allow, what it does is, is it gives you full control over everything. So when we put out an article, sometimes they're kind of back to back, sometimes they're spaced out. You'll get a little pop-up down in the bottom right-hand corner of your browser that'll tell you, hey, this is the title. You'll get an image there to show you what it is. You click on it, go right to the article once it's posted. You also have control over that. So if you don't want those things anymore, you don't have to contact us. You don't have to do any of that. Just go in your settings in your browser and turn that off. Um, so that's a simple way that some people like, and we've got about 6,000 people on that list. So if that's something you want to do, that's available as well. Finally, <clears throat> If you would like to help us and you believe in the message that we have, um, there's a donate button at the top of the page. Click on that, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And as a son or daughter of liberty, you get some goodies in there. You get discounts in the store and all these other other things as well. Our store is also available this week only. Okay, um, yeah, I've got this coward's shirt up. I don't know why I pulled that up. I meant to bring up the whole thing. But our store is open, and this week only, through Saturday at midnight, you can get 10% off of whatever you throw in the cart. Okay, so if you want one of each, or if you just want one thing, you can get 10% off this week only in our store when you use the promo code SAVE2021. All one word, SAVE2021. You get 10% off of whatever you throw in the cart this week through Saturday at midnight. And there's a lot of stuff in there, guys. So if you're interested, look, you got toboggans. you got two to choose from, too. All right? So you want to keep your head warm in the winter? There you go. You want some of these dog tags? You want uh, to pick up the video? You know, we did uh, Bradley, the uh, Prayer at the Capitol. And that's on DVD, uh, along with some other stuff uh, in that. So if you're interested in that. Pick that up. 10% off everything that you got there in the store, and I hope you guys will enjoy that. Maybe have some gifts that you're giving out or whatever the case may be. I hope you'll appreciate that. Let me make one correction here. On Saturday, I played you a video that was from the Ukraine. It was from the Ukraine. Maiden, actually. Um, but it wasn't here recently, and I was misinformed, so I want to correct the record. I tried to correct it as much as I could in the article uh, in the archive, on my personal page, wherever I could to make the correction. It was from 2012, 2013. Okay, remember the guys are all storming in there and beating up on the police who were trying to protect all the uh, the bad guys, the bad politicians, everything. That was from 2012, 2013. So I wanted to make sure I corrected that with you guys. Uh, it wasn't my intention to deceive anybody or anything. That was the information I had. And I appreciate somebody on Rumble pointing that out. And then I went back and looked for it. I still couldn't find... Any of the video clips that are here, but it looks very much similar to everything that was going on at that time. Um, so thank you to the person who let me know that on Rumble, and I just wanted to pass that along to you guys. Okay, so what I want to do this morning is, <clears throat> you know, Bradley gave, a, or he wrote a article the other day, and he seemed to be wrestling with how to present it and everything, because this, this is not one of those things he usually brings up. 
But here's what he called it. He called it the unscriptural free will decisions for Christ. What fruit are they bringing forth? Now, what does he mean about that? Um, well, the... And I don't know why, but I put something in the article that shouldn't be there. I guess I got something that was... Uh, anyway, he, he wrote the article, and he gave a quote from Martin Luther. Here's the quote. Free will... Without God's grace is not free at all, but is the parent prisoner and bond slave of evil since it cannot turn itself to good. You know, I hear people talk about free will all the time. Free will this, free will that. And I'm going to tell you something. The Bible knows nothing about free will the way people speak about it. Here's what people mean by free will. We have the ability to do that which is good and that which is evil. That the carnal man has that. That's what they mean. Anybody has that ability? No, they do not. The Bible says, Jesus says, that whomever you submit yourself to, that's who your master is. So if you submit yourself to, to sin, you become the slave of sin. Do you not? Right? If you submit yourself to righteousness, you become a slave of righteousness. The problem is when the fall occurred, and if you want to say it this way, Adam and Eve were the only people who ever had and possessed free will of that kind. They could do what was good from the heart, from the conscience, from the mind, from the strength, and what they did that was good. They also had the ability to do that which is evil, which was partake of the forbidden fruit. Okay? Yet there is no there is no free will to do that, Philly, because why? Even the carnal man, we're told in Scripture, is one who cannot understand the gospel. He cannot understand those things that are spiritual. He is dead in his sin, Ephesians 2. And so with that said, it takes the Spirit of God to open up the understanding. It takes the Spirit of God to, as we read in Ephesians 2, when it says that we're dead in our sins, but God quickened us. What does that mean, that He quickened us? Did He make us run fast? Is that what that word means? No, that's not what it means. He made us alive. He made us alive. Now, there was one thing I brought up on the show on Saturday with Kate, and uh, I'll just tap into this just for a moment, because I want to I want to get to what I want to talk about this morning. And uh, this comes from John chapter 3. And so what do we see there? And this ties into the work of God. This is why you and I cannot boast at all, not even of our will, not of our desire. We can't boast of any of that stuff when it comes to God saving us from our sin. So we go over to John chapter 3 and we read there, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that there are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these things or the, these miracles that thou hast done that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. 
Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now, what's interesting about that, and pay close attention to verse 8. Does it have anything to do with those who are born of the Spirit? Well, yes. They give evidence that the Spirit has listeth. Let's, let's use that term that's there. That the Spirit of God has blown on the one whom is born again. Let me ask you this question. How many of you chose when you would be born? How many of you chose when you would be conceived? How many of you chose what you would look like? How many of you chose what color of hair you would have or eyes color you would have? How many of you chose which parents you would be born to? None of you. None of me. <laughs> we're not, we're not, we don't choose that. That is something that God has set in order by his decrees. Okay? And the same thing happens to those who are born again. We don't choose that. Now, are we commanded to follow God? Yes. Are we commanded to choose God? Yes. Are we commanded to turn from sin? Yes. What's the problem? Our broken wills. Our wills need fixing, if you will, to desire the right thing. And we will not desire the right thing on our own. And if you claim that you do, you're putting your hands on God's glory. That's the, that's the whole thing. And you say, well, Tim, if you preach that to somebody, it's going to turn them off. Listen, they're already turned off. That's why they're sinners. That's why they're still in their sin. The idea is to turn them on. And the only way you turn them on is to glorify God with the gospel you preach. Okay? And that gospel allows nowhere for man to put his hands on God's glory and say, well, I know Jesus paid it all, and I know he did everything for us for salvation, but I got this one little teensy thing I got to do, my will. Yeah, your will has to submit to God, no question about it. But how does it do that? It's because God takes out of you, as the Old Testament says, a heart of stone, and he puts in you a heart of flesh, a new will, a new desire. What does Paul say? He says, all things have become new. Why? Because you're a new creation. Let me ask you something else. Did the creation just form itself, or did God do it? Yep, that's right. The creation can't even glorify itself. All right? The creation can't even glorify itself in this matter. The Bible says that the heavens proclaim the glory of God and affirm His handiwork. Okay? So even in that we see that it is God who does these things. Now, when he speaks about this, one of the things I was reminded, and I kind of tossed it in there, I said, I'm going to toss this in here because he's, he's exactly right in pointing out the Scriptures. And I'll have this linked up so you guys can read it. It's, it's a pretty good article. One of the things that he uh, quotes here is from Charles Spurgeon. Here's what he says. Once there was free will in paradise. This is what I was talking about with Adam and Eve. And a terrible mess free will made there. <laughs> I love how Spurgeon puts things. I really do. He's great at this. For it spoiled all paradise. So if you want to boast about free will, look at what free will did. Free will threw mankind into bondage, into sin. Free will was once in heaven. But it turned the glorious archangel out 
and a third part of the stars of heaven fell into the abyss. I want nothing to do with free will, but I will try to see whether I have got a will, a free will within. And I find I have very free will to do evil, but very poor will to do that which is good. I think that's an honest assessment. I think that's an honest assessment. Um, If we go to Scripture, what does the Scripture say about our will, though? Um, Before we tout it, let's listen to what Scripture has to say, Philippians 2.13. And he's speaking about those who are believers, okay? For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, who's working in the believer so that they can will? Is it themselves? Is is it their arm of the flesh? Is it is it what they do? Nope. It's God. God is working in us both to will to do his good pleasure and to do it. Okay? Both of those. He does both of those things. So, what I want to talk about today is changing those things that you have control over, not those things you don't. We talk a lot about politics. We talk about, and, and we're, we've been emphasizing the local politics. You have some control in that. You have a voice that can be heard there. Okay? And you should use that. You should use it within your church, speaking to your elders who are there. If they're godly elders, if they're teaching the Word of God, if they're abiding by it themselves. And they're doing those things they're calling you to do. Okay? Uh, if you're not, if, they, if you don't have those kind of elders, you need to leave that church, plain and simple. Okay, But you're to have those kind of voices. But where at primarily are you? And I would say the big place that I'm going to focus on here is the home. Okay, well, Let's take the individual first, and let's give a couple of examples here from Matthew chapter 5. You guys know this is the Sermon on the Mount. Some people will say, oh, Jesus did away with the law. No, he didn't. He came to fulfill the law. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount is very reminiscent of Moses going on the Mount Sinai and receiving the law from God, right? And then Jesus comes to the Mount, and he teaches the people, and he's reiterating the law. He's not giving a new law. He's reiterating the old one because the people forget it. We tend to do that, don't we? So Matthew chapter 5 says that he opened his mouth, that's Jesus, and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Okay, so what does he do here? 
Well, he's laying out certain characteristics of those who are his. If you're hungering and thirsting after righteousness, he says, you'll be filled. If you mourn, you're going to be comforted. If you're meek, you're going to inherit the earth. If you're poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is yours. If you're pure in heart, you're going to see God. If you're a peacemaker, you'll be called children of God. So he lays out these things about the individual. He's speaking to us, or not to us. We can draw the application. He's speaking to this, the crowd that he's speaking to, and he's saying these things about them. If this, then this. Okay? That's what's laid out. So what are these things that we see here? They're kind of, they kind of have generalities, don't they? One of the things that uh, my pastor says, and I, I have to admit that I'm borrowing the title here from my pastor, he emphasizes the fact that, you know, we worry too much about D.C., Washington, D.C., or we worry about too much of what's going on in the world we have no control over. He says, and we forget the things that we should have control over, like our own lives, like the lives of our family and, our, and what we do in our home. Or what we do in our business, if we have a business. So let me give you an example. Actually, several examples out of one passage of Scripture. And this will come from Titus chapter 2. So if you want to turn there or whatever, I'm going to show it on the screen. Uh, This is coming from Titus chapter 2. And this was always one of those uh, (laughs) controversial passages, if you will. But here's what it says. Actually, let's back up just a little bit. Because there's a context to chapter 2, as you know, when this is written in Greek, there's no chapters and verses, division, and stuff like that. So let's bring this down. So what we find in Titus, and I'm going to be referencing 1 Timothy chapter 3 here as well. What we find here in Titus is, is that um, when Paul is writing to him, to Titus, he tells him to ordain elders in every city as he appointed thee. And here's what he says about the elders. He says, if any man be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. So let's stop right there. If somebody's going to be an elder in the church, they obviously have to be married, and they have to be married to a wife, not a, hus- uh, not a husband, not a man to a man. Okay. It doesn't say he can be single either. It says he has to have the hus- he has to be the husband of one wife, having faithful children. So he's got children too. Now, why is that important? Well, that's important because it demonstrates what kind of man he is. It demonstrates that in the sense that he has proven himself with a wife and children. And you can see the evidence of how he lives his life, how he teaches, or whatever the case may be. Because an elder is a teacher. Um, They usually have that gift of pastor-teacher. And so this is very important. Okay, So if you've got a single guy... If you're if somebody's putting a sodomite in in the pulpit who's married to quote unquote married to a man, or whatever the case may be, and he doesn't have children, he really shouldn't be there. Okay, this is the standard for a man who's going to lead the house of God, and you're going to see that in just a moment. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry. Okay, it doesn't he doesn't have a short fuse. He's not given to wine. It doesn't mean that he can't partake of wine. It's just he's not one who's known about having the bottle in his hand all the time. He's not known as a drunkard, okay? He's not a striker or or a, we would say a brawler. Not given to filthy lucre. In other words, he doesn't do what he does for money. 
but he's a lover of hospitality. His home is open in the community. He has guests in his home. He's a lover of good men. He is sober, just, holy, and temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine, now keep that, keep that those two words in mind because we're going to point to those in just a minute, he may be able to, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. And this is why. They're going to they're gonna be teaching things, these false teachers are going to be teaching things for money. Okay? You can name some of these folks today. Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, some of the ones who've already gone off the scene, Kenneth Hagen, all these cats that you see on, um, you know, TBN, stuff like this. They, they do it for money. In fact, if you read Second Peter chapter 2, they do it for money and sexual favors, or one or the other. That's usually what they're involved in. Okay, Jim Baker got both of them right. Well, not right, but he was doing both of those things. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. I love this thing. And this is another reason, folks, why I don't have a problem reading some things that are necessarily non-biblical and things. Okay? Because even Paul did that, and he knew what they were doing, and he used it against them. He used it to teach them, to point them back to the word of the Lord. So, he goes on and he says, This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Now, that's the, that's the context to set up chapter 2. So let's look at chapter 2. We're going to just look at the first uh, few verses here, and we'll draw out of that things that we can do. And specifically, we're going to talk about older men, older women, Younger men, younger women. So we should cover the gamut here. <laughs> we should really cover the gamut here. So he says, remember that, that those two words, sound doctrine. Now, what does that mean? Well, doctrine is not a, a four-letter word. I know some people have come up, you know, some of these novices who pop up in these um, quote-unquote seeker-friendly churches, and there is no one who seeks after God unless God is the one drawing them, okay? Uh, that's Romans uh, 3.11. No man seeks after God, okay? So... They come and they say, oh, well, we can, we can do this ourselves. God you know, cares about all these things, and he does. God cares about everything intimately. Don't get me wrong, he does. But they're more willing to deal with the symptoms of your sin than your sin, and, th- and that's the problem. So when we speak about sound doctrine, we're talking about sound teaching. Okay, We're talking about things that are sound, what we teach, what we live. And so he says... Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Okay, so what, what does that look like, Paul? What, what are you talking about here? All right. He says that aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Okay, so 
He's, he's talking about the life of the older man or the aged man is to be that which is an example for younger men. And he's going to talk about that here in just a little bit. Okay. But he's talking about you set the example. If you are a guy who flies off the handle every little thing, well, you're teaching the younger man to do the same thing. doesn't matter what you say with this. matters what you're doing, right? If you're a man who is not sound in the faith and you're going along with every wind of doctrine, guess what you're teaching the younger generation to do? To do the same thing, right? If you're not patient... How do you expect the younger generation to learn patience? If you're not charitable, how do you expect the younger generation to learn charity? Does that make sense? Okay, pretty simple. Okay, so verse 3 of chapter 2. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, Why? That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. We're going to stop right there because we're fixing to get into the nitty-gritty there where I get in trouble (laughs) talking about these things. But what happens with the women? Well, they have very similar things. They're to be holy. Their life is to be set apart unto the gospel in their homes. Um, this is what they this is what they do. Um, they are to be not given to much wine. Doesn't mean they can't have wine. It's not to much wine. This is the issue, and it's very specific. God chose these words. He didn't say you're a teetotaler. That's not what he said. They're not to be false accusers. This also comes along with gossiping, because gossip often involves false accusations. You don't have all the facts, so you spill it out and. There you are, okay? You, you, you engage in hearsay, and then you pass it along, maybe adding your own little juicy bits there. And you know what's funny is um, uh, my wife had been to some um, prayer meetings before, and she said, I just I can't go back to some of them because, you know, they're, they're engaging in, in gossip. They'll, they'll make it as a prayer request, but it's a, it's a means of gossiping. We're just going to tell you everything, and then we're going to lay some other stuff on. Well, that, that's you shouldn't be involved in that, okay? And so, yeah, she stopped going to that. <laughs> um, then it says they're to be teachers of good things. Teachers of good things. And I know I have some that would consider, we would probably consider, how did we say that, vintage, mature, um, in the audience, And the encouragement that you have is you have the ability to impact that younger generation or the younger generations. Several have come up, especially if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. You've got several generations behind you. And I know there is a couple who love to have young people over their house um, so that they can be hospitable to them, so that they can have an impact on their lives. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So they're to be teachers of good things. Well, what are those good things that it's talking about? Well, Paul tells us, verse 4, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. They're also to teach them this, to be discreet, chaste, 
keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Why? That the word of God be not blasphemed. The word of God be not blasphemed. So the the first couple of things that we have here are pretty simple to understand, right? They're to be sober-minded. You know, they're to have their wits about them. They're not to be silly. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there's time for having fun and, you know, that kind of thing. But they're to be sober-minded, realizing that what they do will have an impact, an impact on the younger generations and it will glorify God, or it should glorify God. They're to love their husbands. Remember we talked about the love of God. The love of God is not a, a love like the 60s hippies people, the free love stuff. The love of God is very specific. He loves his people and he sent his son to die for them. Those of you who want to throw John 3.16 around as though it's for everybody, you really need to go back and read what it says. He died for the believing ones so that they would not perish. Okay? That's literally what it says. His love is very specific towards his people. Okay? In the same manner, a wife is to love her husband. And she's to love her children. doesn't mean she can't love other people's children, but she's to love her children. We read over in um, Proverbs 31 how she does that. How she takes care of them in the winter. How she makes cloaks for them. How she gets up early and she's taking care of the home and all of these kinds of things. She's industrious from the home, by the way. Not under another man, under her husband. Okay? And then it says, there to be, a, there to be a, uh, excuse me, discreet or self-controlled. That's what, that's what the idea is. They're to be self-controlled. Okay? Um, they're to be chaste. That means to be pure, to be modest. Okay? They're to be, oh, this one. This is the one that always got me in trouble. They're to be managers of their own household or keepers at home. And the word here is put with two. It's a, the word for house. It's the word for energy. Their focus, their energy is to be placed into the home. That's why they're to love their children, love their husbands. Okay? You want to demonstrate your faith in God? Are you loving your husband? Are you loving your children? Is your energy poured into the home? Or is it out working for some other man that's not your husband in his house? And I don't mean his house where he lives. I'm talking about in his place of business. These are, these are things that you have to... And then you have to look at the context here. And he says this. He says, keepers at home. And then he says, what? Obedient to their own husbands. Why? Why? That the word of God be not blasphemed. That's a pretty serious thing. Now, I, I have to ask you a question. Where have we seen something like that before? We saw it with King David. Remember when David committed the great sin he committed with Bathsheba and then had her husband, Uriah, killed? Well, he gave opportunity for the nations around him to blaspheme God because he didn't live up to the standard he had there that God had given. So this is an important thing because any unbeliever can come and point this passage out and say, well, why aren't you doing this? Okay, so it's a pretty serious thing. 
And it's not just that older women teach younger women this, it's that younger women do it. So if you're a younger woman, this is what you're to be taught, this is what you're to engage in. Here's another one. For young men, I still consider myself young. I'm 52, but I... Well, there are times I feel old, but... (laughs) Other than that, here's what he has to say. Young men... Likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary, the contrary part, may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So young men are to be sober-minded. They're to have a pattern of good works. They're to be known for that. Okay, They're to be known for those kinds of things. They're to have a doctrine, a teaching that they hold to that is biblical and that is sound. They're to hold that with gravity and sincerity. They're to be serious about their faith. They're to have sound speech. Now, this one is going to get some people. Because amidst of their language is a lot of corrupt speech that gets mixed in. They're to have sound speech about what they say. And they're to allow for nothing evil to be said about them. Now, excuse me. COVID. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is this. Are people going to say evil things about us? Yeah, they are. They said it about the Lord Jesus, and he said if they did this to the master, what are they going to do to the, ser- to, the, to the servants? Those who follow him. They're going to say evil things. The question is, is there any validity to what they're saying? Don't give them any gravity towards that. Don't give them any uh, ability to point to it and say, This right here, you didn't do this here. Okay? That's the thing. You don't give them that. You don't play their game with it. You act as a young man who is obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, is this anything new? No, Paul wrote it in Timothy too. We're going to make some application across the board. And I'm running out of time, sadly. Uh, But let's make some application. Because Paul spoke something very similar over in... 1 Timothy chapter 3, and here's what he says. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, and the office of a bishop is an elder. I mean, that's what it is. We use the term pastor. I even call my pastor pastor, but pastor is really a gift. The the office is a bishop or an elder. And um, so the gifting, Ephesians chapter 4 um, you'll read them there, the gifts that God has given for the building up of, of the church and uh, for the edification of the saints and for the making them proper for the work of ministry. And so if you desire an office of a bishop or an elder, it's a good thing. That desire is a good thing. God gives desires. What did we read about when I talked about the free will thing? Is God who works us works in us both to will, that's our desire, 
and to do his good purposes or his good pleasure. A bishop then, if you want to be one, if you believe you're called to that, verse 2 says, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth, his, ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. There's that word again. And why is that? Why is that? Verse 5, For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? How's he going to do that? If he can't take care of what's small, how's he going to take care of what's large? And then we go back to the parable that Jesus gave about the talents. If you, the one who was faithful in little is going to be given much, right? If you're not faithful in little, even what you've got is going to be taken from you. And then he goes on and he says this, not a novice. He can't be a new Christian. Lest he be lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. Now check that out. He's got to have a good report of those who are outside the church. Lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. In other words, the people even outside the church recognize he walks the walk. That he's talking with his mouth. And then it goes on to talk about deacons, or the servants in the church. And these guys have very similar things. Why? Because it's looking at their character. What, they're, what, what's, what one wants to see is, is God working in your life? They're not interested in whether the guy built a big business and whether he made billions of dollars. They're looking at his character. He can be dirt poor. But does he have good character? Does he know how to control himself? Does he know how to control his own house and manage his house? Does he have the kind of character that you want to emulate, that you want to follow behind? That's what's being laid out here. Now listen. <clears throat> listen very carefully. This is why I have said, if you're going to get behind a politician, you need to look at his house. If the guy's known for divorce after divorce after divorce, if he's known for adultery, if he's known for being a drunkard, and when I mean a drunkard, I'm not talking about somebody who has a celebration. So I'm talking about somebody who is slurring his speech, who is wobbling around, who can't, who's lazy. And the Bible lists all those things as part of what being a drunkard is. They've been seduced by the wine. Are they a person who has a love and a desire to make filthy lucre? That's what that's what they're end aim is, is doing those things. That's not a guy you want in the pulpit. It's not a guy you want in public office either, because they're ministers too, Romans 13. And just to make my point, let me point you back into the book of Deuteronomy, where we look at not a pastor-in-chief, we are looking at a king. And listen to what is said. Verse 14, And God knew that they would come into the land... Okay, and <clears throat> he, they would come into the land and they would want a king just like everybody else. And God was going to let them have a king, even though he remained king. 
He was going to let him have a king, but it wasn't going to be like everybody else. He was going to put something on him, but he told them, even though I'm putting this on you, this is what he's going to do, and he's going to act like the other kings. Okay, So this is what he says. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. Hello, Barack Hussein Obama, Satora Sabarka. That, that should be an application here, just so you know. Verse 16. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For so much as the Lord hath said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And we see Solomon, who's supposed to be the wisest man who ever lived, he fell into these traps. He fell into these traps that are pointed out right here. Verse 18, And it shall be, when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book, out of that which is before the priest, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes, to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So what do we find out that the civil leader is supposed to ha- is supposed to be engaged in? In this case, the civil leader is the king. He is the leader of the nation. Now, obviously, we don't have leaders. We have representatives, whether they be a president or whether they be a senator or a congressman. We have representatives. What are they to do? Well, if we draw an application out of Scripture for this, what are they to do? They are to know the law of God. If they don't know the law of God, if they're not putting their nose in the book to know it and to understand it and to live it out, and they exemplify that in their character and in their homes, they're not to be there. They're not to be there. I don't care if they have an R on their jersey. They're not to be there. I don't care. Let me tell you something. If you've got a guy with a D on his jersey and he actually <coughs> exemplifies a good character and upholds the law of God, he's better suited than the guy with the R on his jersey. But the fact of the matter is, whoever is in office and whoever the people are behind, they should be those who've demonstrated that they are what they say. Because all of them, for the most part, not all of them, but for the most part, they will claim to be Christian. I know there's some oddballs who don't, but most of them will claim Christianity. The question is, do they live Christianity? See, and that's what, that's what you want to find. So, <clears throat> these are some examples that I give of what we can do. I have a no opportunity to really change Washington, D.C. My call is, we need to secede from there. Just going to say it. 
that place has become overrun with corruption, period. That's what it is. It is a corrupt city. We have corrupt lawmakers. We have corrupt presidents. And even a corrupt judicial system out of D.C. And we need to separate ourselves from it. We have called on them for decades to get their act together. We have tried the voting thing. (laughs) That's not happening either. All we end up doing is putting more people in there who do the same stuff. Or they get seduced by the lobbyist or whatever the case may be. And so where do we need to start? Well, we need to start in our own homes. That's, That's the message today. If you didn't get it, start in our own homes, in our own lives. Some of you are single out there. Start with the things that we talked about here. Titus, you're a young woman. You need to learn some of these things that are not necessarily of the family part, but things like being discreet, being chaste. Be at home. Don't be out carousing and, and doing those kinds of things. Be good. Be obedient. Specifically to your dad, to your father. I mean, he is the authority in your life if you're single, if you're a single woman. And do so that, so that you don't give opportunity for the Word of God to be blasphemed. Maybe you're a single guy. Well, there's things for you too. Be sober-minded. Show yourself a pattern to others. You know, Timothy was told not to be ashamed that he was young. He was a young man. Not to let people look down on him because of his youth demonstrate that he was serious about the things of God. You show yourself a pattern of good works. You get into the Word. You have doctrine showing uncorrupt, uh, uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. And let's say you're a married older guy. What are you to do? Well, you should be taking some of these young men alongside and hanging out with them a little bit. One, it'll keep you young. (laughs) And two, you'll be pouring your life into those young men. All right? You'll be pouring your life into those young men. And you're to be the example. Don't just let them hear you say it. Show it to them. Demonstrate soberness, graveness, temperance, soundness in faith, charity, and in patience. Demonstrate to them what it is to love your wife, love your children, provide for them, be a protector, so that when they have a family of their own, they've already had an example of that. Okay? What about you older women? Well, your job is teaching. You know, um, <clears throat> our one of our, well, both of our older daughters, uh, one <clears throat> is close by, the other one was moving from New Jersey down. They're going to Miami, and they were through here over Thanksgiving, and they were talking about babies, which we were, me and my wife were happy about because it's about time you guys get on with things, you know. Uh, but in any case, we're talking about that. And the one thing that, you know, we still have young ones still in the house, but the, one of the things that, that I know Denise really looks forward to is to helping them with their children. It's not like they haven't seen their mother do it. But sometimes you know, as a many of you women out there know, as young mothers, you kind of, you know, can I have some help here uh, and what I need to do and this, that, and the other? Well, that's what older women are for. Coming alongside those younger women and teaching them. Teaching them how to be godly women. 
moms, wives. Some of it comes naturally if you've been brought up that way. I really do think that. But sometimes there's, you know, that schmoozing that goes along that only a woman can do. Because if a guy goes in there telling the daughter how to do it, he's just going to, yeah, we just don't do that. That's not our place. But it is the place of the older woman. So here's the thing. Today, we can fuss and fight and cry about what's going on politically. And I'm not saying that's a wrong thing because we do that. We do point out those things and we do call people back to what? The law. Specifically the law of God. But what are we doing in our own sphere of influence? See, that's the... It's easy to point the finger off. And I got to tell you, for this boy, it's easier to do that too than it is to point the finger back at yourself and say, okay, where do I need to correct things? What do I, you know, the old phrase of I need to be the change that I say I want to see. Where is that change in me? What am I adhering to? What am I giving opportunity for the enemy to blaspheme the word of God? That's a serious thing, by the way. What are we correcting on ourselves? And the only way we're going to correct it is by going to the word of God and the spirit of God putting his finger on our sin. This is the whole means for preaching the gospel. The gospel puts the finger on the sins of men. It calls them to repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died for sinners on the cross. And the only sacrifice for sin we have, we don't have bulls and goats being sacrificed, not that they took away sin anyway. We have a Savior who has taken away sin. Okay? We have a Savior who has taken it away. And for the believer, guess what? He has pulled us away from sin. He has saved us from sin. He doesn't leave us in our sin and says, okay, you're going to heaven even though you're going to continue in your sin. No, no. He teaches us to hate sin. He teaches us to turn away from it. Right? So that's what I want to leave you with today. Um, appreciate your patience and listening. I know this is a little different. We, we do this every now and then, and I enjoy going through the passages because, first and foremost, I'm reminding myself. I'm not trying to point the finger at you guys. I'm trying to remind myself, and hopefully that sets an example for you to do the same thing so that we can see God at work in our midst. Bradley be with you at 3 o'clock Eastern today, Lord willing, and then we'll be back with you in the morning at 6 a.m., Don't forget, change those things you have control over. Don't go after those things that you don't have any control over. SDG, see you.